0: Hey folks! In this episode of the podcast, it's all about iPhone photography. Is it ready for prime time? This is Twitter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, I get to sit down with a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Stephen Sharf. He's a molecular biologist, but also a very, very meticulous. And competent photographer who plays in a variety of genres, including motorsports, real estate, all kinds of things, product photography. Um, this interview came to mind because Stephen recently wrote a post for a blog that I found pretty intriguing where he was pretty enamored by the capabilities of the iPhone and where it could go. So I thought I'd bring him on the show to have a quick dialogue about iPhone photography and is the iPhone the unsung hero and is it ready for prime time? Stephen Scharf, welcome to This Week in Photo Man. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine, Frederick. Thanks for having me on. No,
0: it's a pleasure having you on. Thank you for thank you for agreeing to do this on such short notice cuz I just sent you a text yesterday and you know and mo- you moved your schedule around just for this. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, let's let's dive in a little bit, you know. And if people want to dive more into your background, of course, they can, you know, go to your website at stevensharf.com, right? Um, and see more of your work. So and that'll be linked in the blog post and the YouTube description for this video. But I wanted to just start with let's just dive into the meat of this topic the iphone right yeah i remember when you first got your iphone and you are just to set the stage for the people that are watching slash listening you're not, you don't chase the upgrade horizon, right? You're not that guy that's standing in line for the next iPhone. You're not shaving Apple logos into your head. You're not, you know, you're not an Apple fanboy or a tool fanboy for the most part. You know, maybe a little Fuji, but not, not, you're not a tool fanboy. So when you, when you sing the praises of something like the iPhone, I think, you know, it merits a listen. So let's start there. Right, you when you got your hands on this iPhone, you know the. I'm um, presuming you have the 13, right? So the latest version, the Pro Max of the iPhone. You, were you intending on using it for pro work? So how did how did this this journey start for you?
1: Well, I'll I'll just add some context of what you've just kind of described in my background, and you know me well enough now, Frederick, to know that I'm a very pragmatically minded kind of guy, um, and and so you know I'm being a scientist. Um, uh, and based on my professional background, I'm very much used the kind of guy that believes in using the right tool for the right job. And so I'm, I'm not interested in, you know, um, uh, marketing, uh, um, you know, per se in terms of, you know, bells and whistles or 465 autofocus points or eye detect for birds in flight and stuff like that. I'm really interested in using a tool that's fit for purpose for the job at hand. And... And and so with respect to the iPhone 13 Pro Max, as you know, I've been I've been a late comer to using iPhones for photography. I've I've shot with Canon Pro gear for a very long time, for the better part of 15 years for my Pro Motorsports photojournalism work. Those were superb tools for what was a very demanding uh, professional use case. They were very well um, engineered for meeting those requirements. and then I've been using Fuji for the last few years primarily for private work, but more recently since they become more capable with respect to their, um, their photojournalism performance for my pro photojournalism work for motor, motorsports racing. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I switched from Canon to Fuji is the Fuji gear was lighter and it was easier on my back than carrying heavy pro Canon gear around. And I have a bad back from many years of ballet, as you know, and motorcycle racing and motorsports photography. So... Something that would take 30% of the mass off of my back and let me get the job done was a good thing. So that's why I shoot Fuji primarily. Um, But with respect to the iPhone, um, one of the advocates I've been kind of a proponent of is always taking a camera with you wherever you go so that you have a proper camera for those unexpected moments, right? And, um, And while I used to take my little Fuji X100F with me, which is a fixed focal 35 millimeter classic perspective, um, field of view out of the lens, but I would always take it with me when I go into the car, I would always take the little camera with me, just to have something with me. And then, um, based on some work that our buddy Troy Miller has been doing with iPhones recently, and some other folks. um, uh, I got a year ago, I got the iPhone 12 mini, and I was impressed, coming from the sixth to the 12. In terms of um, the improvements in the camera functionality and image quality, you may remember some kind of you know um static kind of studio shots I posted about a year year and a half ago. Um, from that, I was impressed. You know, it was studio kind of shots, just you know, lighting it with seamless and stuff like that. of of one eighteenth scale, very very accurate racing car models. Like they're so good, you can't tell them from the real car unless I told you. Yeah. Um, and you've seen those photos so um i damaged the screen on my iphone 12 mini uh it accidentally fell off the car when i was loading up the car to go for a bicycle ride it cracked the screen and it was going to cost me 250 bucks to get the, the 12 repaired at the time uh my service provider was offering me the pro max upgrade for like 155 bucks or something like yeah. that And i thought i'll save 100 bucks and get the new phone Since then, I've been very impressed in using it for what I would call my go anywhere, do anything camera. And so I need to kind of qualify what I mean by that, right? It is not a substitute for a Canon 1D Mark III for motorsports Grand Prix shoot (laughs) racing photography, right? Or. For and Olympics. why is that though? Why is it not
0: well, a reply? I know why, but describe yeah, yeah.
1: it. Yeah, it's 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 simply because you can't attach a five a six hundred millimeter F4 to the front of it and, and yeah. shoot Olympics or motor racing with it, right? Right. But in the real world, what I found with it is that it's fit for purpose. I would say for 80% of the photographs, I want to take 80% of the time, which is pretty darn good, right? So if yeah. you kind of think of the Pareto principle, like
0: one go
1: yeah so you know i kind of thought of this from the pareto principle which is you know a small number of things whatever you want to classify them as could drive say 75 to 80 percent of a response right whatever that might be things you care about whatever anyway so i kind of think of it in that terms that, that this the iphone 13 pro max for me for the types of photography i do is is fit for purpose for probably 80% of the photographs I want to take 80% of the time. And that's pretty good, yeah. uh, right? And, and so the nice thing is it's always with you. Um, it's got enhanced capabilities that have developed over the years. Um, uh, you know, its dynamic range is better. It's, its night mode lets you do things in low light, which you previously could not do. Um, there's the live view mode, which we can kind of talk about that lets you do things like, Take long exposures, like if you want to take a picture of a mountain stream and you want the water flowing through nice and smooth and silky, it will do that for you. Um, plus, it's got great color. Uh, and there's there's now third-party applications like the ProPhoto lights that let you shoot with its app in RAW and in a studio setting or a commercial setting, a professional setting. Use use the camera uh, RAW feature. Uh, with lighting solutions, Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can edit, you know, a raw file uh, from the camera rather than just a JPEG. So it's really becoming much more versatile, I would say, for being fit for purpose for a wider range of shooting scenarios, photography scenarios and use cases.
0: It's like, it's like you remember, uh, remember, and still to this day, Chase Jarvis says, you know, the best camera is when you have with you, you know, that trope, um, which, which it rings true now even more than ever. And I would throw in there the, even the, what I find maybe is a sleeper kind of thing that people haven't realized is there's a crap load of iPhones floating around out there, right? They're just everywhere, and uh, which means there's a crap load of people that are consuming content on the iPhone, which means if you're shooting on the iPhone, you're capture device is same is the same as the delivery or viewing device right so when does that happen normally we as photographers we're shooting with whatever brand we want to shoot with in whatever wild raw format processing with whatever app and whatever raw engine is in that app so there's all those variables that we have to solve for but it's interesting i think i want to get your take on this if someone is it better now that if we're in a world where the capture device is identical to the consumption device in terms of color balance and overall clarity of the image and you as the artist being sure that what you're shooting is what the intended recipient is going to see what are you, what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i think what you're speaking to are two high level quality attributes which you know photographers and and viewers care about which is quality and consistency right and so you know, having the capture device be the same as the output device in terms of, you know, the, the system that the photographs are viewed on, I think helps to ensure that. I think Apple's done, a, for the most part, a quite a good job on um, making assessments on uh, the color balance, the profile, right? The, the color gamut that the camera is capturing in and then presenting the photograph back in, yeah. I think is getting better and better, I would say. As someone who studied... Um, uh, color management pretty seriously for a year, including taking a course from Andrew Rodney, um, it's getting better and better all the time. Uh, I would say it's getting more consistent and more accurate, which is a good thing. The other thing I've noticed is that even going from the 12 mini to the 13, this, the display seems to be notably better. It seems to have um, a more accurate color color gamut, uh, finer resolution and, and improved image quality. so when I'm looking at display setting up a photograph it looks better to me and this is just a subjective thing I don't have data to speak to it but it looks better when I'm framing you know the subject with the camera to take the photograph. Um, yeah. so you know all those are, are help are a big help to a photographer so that at the moment of capture he can you know get as close as possible what he's envisioning for the photograph.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Why don't I wanted to have you talk a little bit about about artificial intelligence, and we've talked about this, um, you know, in our community and, and offline before. But the idea that you're handing a lot of the the control—I don't know if control is a good word—but you know, the you're letting a, a computer do. The heavy lifting that would take a lot of work in post. For example, when you do your real estate photography, doing window pulls, i.e., making sure the exposure that's coming through the window is pleasingly matched to what's on the interior and is not distracting or blown out or whatever, the iPhone handles that pretty well. Uh, can you can you talk about that and sort of the
1: the i the AI features of the phone? Absolutely. So what you're referring to uh, in in interior real estate photography. Um, there's a very specific set of requirements that the photographers have to work through. One of them is is almost always the agents want the interior lights on. And so you've got all this tungsten, which is a very warm color um, intermixed with daylight, which is a much more bluer, cooler uh, color tone, right? And the other thing is, is they wanna see detail out of the windows in the various rooms from inside the particular room that you're photographing. And so we use a very specific technique in photoshop called the window pull which is a kind of a layer masking technique where we, where we shoot we have to shoot the window with a flash uh and make sure that the pixels around the window are brighter than the scene outside and then we can we can blend that in using darken mode and the layer mask blah 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 and we can we can pull in the detail out the window the iphone 13 just does that. Right out of the box, automatically, like you don't have to futz with layer masks and window poles and flashing the window with a flash to do the, the window pull, it's just done and it's beautiful. I, I the first time I, I remember, I showed you this one evening on our member mixer, and I was just like, That's pretty ridiculous how good that is, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, like you'd have to be good at window poles to get it that good straight out of the camera, so that's yeah. very cool. Um. So I like where they're going with that. Um, With respect to sky replacements, um, as you know, I I often kind of get chuckles from folks when I kind of, and in in the article, you know, on the the online photographer, I kind of mentioned no sky replacement, no sky replacement. That's just a qualifier that I add because I, and it's a two part qualifier. Number one is I do a fair number of sky replacements for Twilight real estate work that I do, right? Just to add some additional value to the photo. That the agents like, right? Because here in the Bay Area, we don't have much color or texture to the sky. It's very, it's very you know blue all the time. Never (laughs) rains here anymore, right? Um, And so we add you know some color and texture to the sky frequently for for exterior twilight photographs. Um, uh, And then the photographs that we're going to go through, some of the ones I, I I took in Martinez, right? The iPhone does a very good job of enhancing. The texture and shape and, and definition and color of the sky and the clouds for you automatically does a very good job of that um uh and so i just i sometimes qualify like there's no sky replacement here because in my own personal landscape work frederick i never do a sky replacement i just it, it, if there's a beautiful sky, it's because steven showed up when there was a beautiful sky and, and took the photograph then right so the only time i will do sky replacements In my own work is for real estate when the customer wants it. So that's just a qualifier from that perspective. But speaking of of how it does skies, it actually is using some smart algorithms to kind of enhance the sky. It's seeing the sky and it's doing some tricks to kind of pull. And we'll look at some of those later uh, to pull out the detailed color texture of the sky relative to the subject. But in some cases right now, it's still a little overbaked, right? It's still a little bit too much. And I'll sometimes create a luminosity mask and pull down the saturation and the intensity of that sky just a bit to kind of make it look more natural, right? Because mm-hmm. right now it's still, I understand where they're going with this, but I think personally they're going maybe 10 or 15% too far. And Hyper reality, right? It's just a little too far and I need to kind of pull it back. And again, with layer masks, you can do that very easily. So. Are you, Stephen, are you, uh,
0: you're shooting in RAW on the iPhone, I'm presuming, right? And you're not doing your, or are you? Are you using JPEG or
1: RAW? Depends. I mean, it depends, again, on the use case. Um, yeah. So I'm just a requirements-driven guy, so I shoot depending on the use case. Yeah. The, the photos we're going to look at at, at Muir House uh, in Martinez and, and those shots of those nice old kind of brick garages and stuff in Martinez, that's just me walking around taking JPEGs. Holding the camera handheld and yeah. snapping the photo, and then if I have to, I'll fix the verts in Photoshop with lens correction. Um, for studio stuff like the shot that we're going to look at of the Audi racing car, right? I put that on the little um, uh, iPhone uh, tripod uh, clamp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I set that up, and so I, I shot that in you know with a softbox and a modifier and you know a background and all of that stuff. There um, because I was using the Photo lights. Um, I was shooting in, in raw, in, inside the pro photo app. Um, uh, and then just, you know, working on the raw file in Photoshop to kind of do final tweaks and stuff. But the thing is the camera is so good that you don't have to do a lot to get it, you know, fit for purpose for production. Right. Um, it's, it's nailing all the essentials again, 80, 85% of the time, 80 to 85% of where you want them to be. Right. Which yeah. is pretty remarkable. Um, So,
0: yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, I I think maybe it depends on how old you are, how serious you can take mobile photography. Cause, like, if, and where your brain is, right? If your brain is still pliable and you're like, okay, new ideas, this is great. Uh, But if you kind of grew up with the idea of cell phone photography or mobile phone photography being a joke, right? A rounding error, like, okay, that's not even, don't even, right? uh then it's a leap to think that this thing that i have in my pocket with me all the time could in some ways be superior to all the glass and you know sensors and all this other stuff that i've invested in my entire life you know i want to let's let's bring up your some of the the your mini portfolio from the online photographer and and talk through some of these shots here um so here we are this is on and congratulations on being featured on the Online Photographer. So, this is this this is the page here that I, I was looking at yesterday. I believe it was. So tell me, tell us about this shot here, and why? Yeah. What what did you do here?
1: Uh, again, I didn't do anything. I I, I basically <laughs> handheld the camera. So this is up in St. Helena where I grew up in the Napa Valley. You know, I, it's the heart of the wine industry, and of course, over the years, you know, it's become much more upscale economically, right? So there's been a lot of refurbishment and renovation of homes in the Napa Valley. Um, I should add that that, that there is a um, Agricultural Preserve Act in the Napa Valley, which prevents things like tract homes from going into large tracts of land in the Napa Valley. So hmm. you can't really build new homes per se in the Napa Valley, uh, unless you unless you completely, you know, destroy the building that's there or tear down the building that's there. And you have to probably go through a lot of hoops to do that and rebuild on the same exact lot. What that means is there's a lot of refurbishment of homes that are already there because of the agricultural preserve. So this is just a a house, um, on one of the streets, um, downtown. Uh, and this is what we call in real estate, a one point photograph. And, and I didn't even have it on the tripod. I just tried to line it up as best I could and snap the photo. And that's what you get. Uh, I probably straightened it a little bit in Photoshop, just to, you know, with a grid, just to make sure the verticals were perfectly dead on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. Uh, that's straight on the camera.
0: S O O C. Yeah, I'm hearing acronyms. S O O C
1: and G A D A. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So G A D A is go anywhere, do anything. Right. And yeah. Again, yeah. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not meaning that literally. Like you could not use this for for pro football or Grand Prix motorsports, but. I think it's a very suitable camera for probably 80% of the photographs that a photographer might want to take 80% of the time when they're out and about, you know. Um, when
0: would you yeah. when would you make the decision to leave the Fuji at home? And I mean, you're always going to have your phone with you, but when, when, and I'll put a sharper point on this, mm-hmm. uh, for client work would you ever see yourself doing full on paid client work and just walking out of the house with your phone in your back pocket to the location and doing the shots and going to lunch and going about your day?
1: So I uh, actually, I've been thinking about this for, for real estate work. I think now the way that it does window poles, and we were just chatting about that, but the way it does window poles, um, the, the fact you can shoot in raw now, um, and have it do such good, uh, a good mathematical estimate, estimate estimation of the scene in the room and how it should capture that. Um, we're gonna see when we walk through some of the photos in Muir house that I sent you, um, yeah. uh, the, the ones in, in in the other files, we kind of, I wanna show you some of the other ones, not just the ones on, on the online photographer, mm-hmm. but that's just me walking through the house with available light, right? And, and so I think we're really close now to where you could deliver fit for purpose images with the iPhone 13 Pro Max for interior real estate and not have to carry lights and not have to do window poles and all that crap, you could literally walk through with the phone if you want to put it on a tripod and make sure everything is dead nuts, neutral, and lined up and square, you could do that. But, um, and you could shoot it in a RAW too if you want to do that, right? As well, so, um, I think that very you could do Twilight Real Estate shots with the iphone like you saw the, the sky there in the photograph mm-hmm. of, of the of the gala uh party uh business uh in martinez that we were just looking at um done job done right click oh is that fit for, for, for real estate absolutely right so that's probably one application i could see right away that would supplant the need to carry lights stands tripods um uh and uh slrs or or mirrorless cameras uh onto the job site and, and have to kind of shoot it traditionally. I, I think we're at the point now where probably an iPhone 13 Pro Max is perfectly fit for purpose for real estate, both exterior and interior.
0: For a lot of stuff, yeah. And that, for a lot and that, of stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm like with with, and I'm pulling out some of your images now that you sent over an email. The uh, the, yeah, it, and I think it's just that leap, right? And we we've talked about this on the show a little bit as well. In the it's the leap mentally of yeah, I can I can get it done with this, but. You know, this is the thing that I do. Everything I'm playing Call of Duty on this. I'm texting people. I'm you know surfing the web, and now I'm gonna do a job that's gonna you know write me a check for three grand on this. Does that? I should use more expensive cameras for that, right, to make it make it work. And the other side of that is you chuckle, but the other side of that is the theater, right? If there are clients involved. Who also have iPhone 13 Pro Maxes in their back pocket, and you show up with an iPhone 13 Pro Max, and you're like, "Okay, where's your gear?" You're like, "Right here." Like, how do you how do you reconcile that with a client that's writing a big check, or should it just be, "I'm hiring Stephen Sharf, whatever paintbrush he chooses to use, he's going to use it." Like, how do how do you think that should play out?
1: Yeah, I, I, again, I think it depends on on the the particular situation. You know, this gets back to kind of voice of customer and stuff, which we've talked about as well. Um, you know, again, it comes down to how photographers prefer to work for themselves. Um, in my buddy, Peter Lyons, that I've done a lot of kind of subcontracting for, for Twilight work, you know, do I see him starting to shoot in the near future with an iPhone 13 Pro Max? No. Why? Peter has his preferred way of working and I don't see that changing. It works for him. Yeah. Do I think though, that, that, that you could produce professional quality real estate photographs with an iPhone 13 Pro Max that would be completely fit for purpose and 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 meet the requirements for a real estate photograph for quality, consistency, lighting, uh, um, color neutrality, uh, skies, um, and window poles, absolutely. And do I think you could be more profitable by just shooting with iPhone 13 Pro Max In terms of the number of jobs you could shoot in a day and carry less crap with you absolutely yeah yeah
0: i love it yeah it's just man you know and we're we're only at iphone 13 right now right so there's numbers after 13 allegedly (laughs) so i'm gonna bring up i pulled out some of these and we'll pull pull up more in a second i'm going to bring up some of your images here and i want to end when we get to the end of this steve i want to talk about just you know your thoughts on where all this stuff should go Like, and where is it now? Um, So I'm going to go ahead and share these photos that you just sent over. Not this one, but these. Preview. Here we go.
1: Yeah. All right. So where are we? Tell me about this. looks familiar. Have I seen this? Is this Sacramento? Yeah, probably. No, so this is Martinez. This is the front of John Muir's house in Martinez. So it's now a a historic park. Um, And... Again, this was just me walking around with the camera handheld, no tripod. Uh, just I just you know I do real estate work, so I know how to line up the camera straight, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I just I just spent time trying to get the camera as straight uh, with respect to the subject in the frame as possible, and then I did some minor little tweaks in in Photoshop with a grid snapped in place just to make sure everything was dead nuts on, and that's it. But I mean, it's a JPEG straight out of camera right? Um, that's straight
0: out of camera. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 Things are changing. This is yeah. And then this one.
1: Yeah. So that's one of my favorites. So, so this is a study upstairs and this I took held handheld down low. So there's a cordon that prevented you from getting into the room and there's kind of straps, you know, from the poles, you know, going across between the poles that cordon off the room. These are the elastic straps that you kind of put out. And I just held the camera down low between the straps of the cordon and and shot the photograph <laughs> and held me just holding the camera kind of down you know below my waist yeah. uh and taking the picture and then i straightened the verticals a touch in photoshop just to make sure everything was square and that's it i mean it, it, what i'm impressed by is how it held detail in the curtains of the back of the room right yeah. um and it's like that's pretty nice. Um, I like the quality of light in here. I like the feel of this photograph. I like, you know, kind of just the fact that his papers are thrown on the floor. This was his study where he did all of his writing and stuff for the National Park Service and everything. His desk partly open there. And it just has a nice kind of very nice, you know, welcoming, ambient kind of uh, vibe to it, which, and again, just JPEG, out of camera, straighten the verticals to touch.
0: Straight out of camera. Yeah, it is it is when you look at this stuff, it is I mean I mean if you're coming from a world of where you realizing how much work it would take to do a shot like this and then you look at what the iPhone is doing or pop over to Apple's page and look at some of the data that they have there on what happens at the moment of capture inside of your iPhone in that millisecond or, you know, a couple of milliseconds, what's going on and all the math and how it's analyzing depth and light and what's in the scene and using AI and all this stuff right at the point of capture and then delivering a shot like you were showing, you know, at the at the end of it, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, that's something that our brains will never. I can I can say with some certainty will never be able to do that, right? right. We need computers in order to do that. So yeah, that's that's crazy. And then this yeah. one, another straight out of camera, right?
1: Yeah, straight out of the camera.
0: Yeah, these are these are beautiful.
1: Yeah, so this is the this is the parlor. This is kind of the living room, right? And um, I had another shot of the parlor, which may be in there or not. But I just wanted yeah. to show with this little detail of, of, of the of the architecture inside, a kind of of a connection from you know this beautiful little light in the fireplace. It kind of leads off to the piano, right? Just to interest the viewer there, like oh, there's more interest to explore potentially in this space right it's just kind of a nice little kind of uh shot to kind of pique the viewer's interest and like oh what's this space this looks pretty Mm -hmm. you know um and again it's just like handheld available light
0: i love it i love it you know what i mean we could go through these these shots forever i mean it is one a couple of the the questions that i want to throw at you uh, aside from the future facing stuff is where are we right in terms of genre so obviously not motorsports. we're not going to shoot anything like that right now maybe in the future but right now we can do that what about portraiture you know on iphones and other brand phones they have portrait mode which introduces some bokeh into the background so portraiture right so like the portrait mode within the cameras what do you what are your thoughts on that are phones do you think ready to like start doing client level work for portrait photographers
1: so I personally think they are. I mean, if you go to Apple's website and you look at the portraits that some of their professionals have done, I think they're extraordinary. And it was actually looking at those portraits, Frederick, that that actually got me thinking about upgrading to the 13 Pro Mac, because I was looking at some of these things and they're clearly shot with lights in the studio with modifiers by guys who really know what they're doing. And, um, you know, they're gorgeous, uh, <laughs> you know, it, with respect to any attribute that you want to discuss. And so again, you know the customer doesn't care, you know, whether you use a snap on wrench or a stall wrench, right. To get the job done. Um, so, um, as long as it meets the client's needs and the quality, uh, is there, uh, and it creates value for the customer. I don't think the customer cares what cameras used. Um, yeah. so absolutely. I think they're, I think they're probably going to be eminently suited for portraiture. Um, you, you know, that, um, Luminar, uh, Neo has got some features now where it lets you do background subtraction for portraiture where, where you can very easily select your subject to drop your, your subject into a, a background that's kind of more suitable for the context of the image that you want to create, you know, all said and done. And, you know, so I think we'll see emerging of kind of the capabilities the iPhone has with portrait mode, the color, the texture, the detail, the way it manages light. Is becoming more flexible, there's more lighting solutions like what's currently available with Pro Photo. Oh, yeah. I think Godox is going to start implementing some things that will integrate with the iPhone soon, at least I hope they will. Um, where you know, pro portrait photographers will have a full range of supporting solutions like lighting equipment and modifiers that will work with iPhones um, to let them you know produce really beautiful work beautiful yeah. quality portraits um from
0: something in your back pocket too right yeah, remember yeah. you remember back in the, i mean it used to be okay i need in order to if you're a real photographer you're gonna have to have a Hasselblad and if you're poor a Bronica right, or Mamiya, right, (laughs) back in the day, and all the lights, and the giant tripods that were heavy enough to keep that big camera stable, and shutter release, all that stuff, you know, and then you were a portrait photographer, now you could just whip out something, swipe up, click, and you got something superior that then could could have been created back then, you know, I'm curious about what you think about video, though, you know, there's, talk about still photography, there's Apple's made a ton of advances in the video space with cinematic mode, being able to selectively blur backgrounds and and emphasize subjects um, both real time while you're shooting and in post-production in Final Cut Pro or whatever app you're using. Um, Do you think are we heading in that same miniaturization direction with video as we are with still photography?
1: I think we're actually there, uh, yeah. already. And I, I think that there are folks that are using it for professional quality content as their tool of choice, uh, or, or their solution of choice, I should say. And, um, I was just referencing before we came on, uh, I, I do some, um, some, uh, kind of, uh, writing work for a high-end audio company, um, that makes some, uh, uh, power distribution products, cables and speaker cables and loudspeaker cables and things like that. And they were doing interviews with their staff. They were introducing new product. They were giving a kind of an introductory video about the the foundation behind the technology. Why would this be important to you? Um, And how does it create value for the customer? And uh, they shot it all on iPhone 13 Pro Max. And you would not know if someone had not told you, at least I would not know, and the reason I got into photography is I was a frustrated cinematographer. So I'm really critical at how I look at cinematography, right? And I can think back to like beautiful films like Haskell Wexler's, you know, um, shooting uh, of, of films back in the 70s and set days of heaven or Nestor Mendros shooting Apocalypse Now, right? Like I'm really picky about how I look at cinematography, right? Um, and um, it's it's remarkable how good it is for a video particularly for video I think even for extending the thought of portraiture like um, headshots of an interview when you've got a, you've got um, someone speaking or giving a lecture or a speech or a talk and they're in kind of a studio setting or a background setting right um, it's it's very impressive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And like I said before, we're only in 2022 as we record this. Right. So, you know, the, the later iterations, maybe a decade from now, or even five years, three years, two years, one year, the next version, what does that look like for these devices? Yeah. And it's in the way I look at them are, yeah, this is, this is not, maybe not the future, but it is a future that we're going to be moving into with other devices becoming more subordinate, kind of like, you know, mirrorless cameras didn't completely supplant DSLRs yet. There's still a contingent of people that love their DSLRs and will never leave them. But mirrorless is clearly the way forward, right? I think we'll see similar movements like that, especially when you consider what I was talking about before in terms of the ubiquity of these phones on earth, the consumption device being identical to the creation device, right? And all the, all the complexities and variables that that kind of removes from it. With that said, though, Stephen, what are you looking like as a when you put on your photographer hat, whether you're maybe not motorsports, uh, but when you put on your real estate photography hat or your landscape photography hats, what do you feel like you're missing when it comes to being able to create your level of work with a mobile device?
1: I think we're there for a lot of the key essentials that photographers care about right now, right, which is, you know, outright image quality, resolution, um, Uh, a color gamut that's suitable for the needs for both, you know, enthusiasts and professionals, a range of color gamuts, right, that you can work in, Uh, as well as, you know, being able to render tonality uh, and luminance in a way that creates engaging photographs. I would say right now the only limitation that I can personally think of, uh, and we also have third-party solutions, right, like we've got lights from various lighting manufacturers and modifiers that we can use, uh, to create lighting solutions, we need to eat for even more control in studio professional contexts of use. Um, I would say probably the last domain will be the ability to make large prints for folks that mm-hmm. want to print large, uh, and so we'll, we'll 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 likely see larger resolution sensors that can print twenty four by thirty six um, uh, for folks that want to hang large prints on the wall. I think that's probably the area that we'll see. Um, expansion of functionality and quality into that's kind of just off the top of my head. But I think for, again, right, I keep coming back to this principle of, is it fit for purpose? Right. It yes. doesn't have to be right. It kind of gets back to this thing. You don't need a Porsche GT2 RS to commute back and forth in the to work, right? A Honda Accord will do just fine, right? So, so for our transportation needs, you know, we have solutions that are affordable, reliable, um, quality solutions that meet, the vast majority of users needs the vast majority of the time. And I think we're there with the iPhone 13 pro max or pro series of cameras. Um, and then we're in, you know, in terms of extending that functionality, I think we're probably going to see higher resolution sensors that will allow then those photographs to be printed or used in commercial work, like magazines and publications and things, you know, so I don't see it going on billboards soon for movies and stuff. You know, I still think you need medium format for that, but, um, but you know, it's it's pretty remarkable where we are today.
0: Yep, I agree. And we'll we'll leave it right there. You know, I would I would encourage folks to head over to I mean, I don't this is not an Apple commercial, but definitely on Apple's site they have all that stuff I was talking about in terms of what happens after the point of or at the point of capture. And I think it's pretty impressive. You know, of course Apple in their deep pockets infinite wisdom ways have illustrated what's going on at the point of capture pretty pretty well i think it's pretty interesting just to sort of look at that and see where things are and even attempt to draw a vector of where things might go in in the in the near future it's pretty it's pretty impressive it's you know and i'm excited you know there's some projects that i'm working on are very clearly focused on mobile on like even with the idea of mobile first you know, as we move into some directions in the future. So I'm excited about this whole thing. Any any last thoughts you want to throw out there for the folks?
1: Just take your camera with you when you go out the door, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think you can now, right? You know, uh, yeah. the best camera is the one you have with you. We've heard that mantra for many years now, but now we've got a solution that is always with us, right? Our smartphones that um, always means we have a, a great camera with us as well. So I would say seek those opportunities to create compelling images that resonate with viewers because you've got an amazing tool that you carry with you now at all times that lets you do that
0: yeah I love it all right Stephen Sharp, we'll leave it right there man thank you thanks for coming on sure. and thanks for, for doing this on such short notice and yeah I can't wait to see what else you create with that, with that phone of yours <laughs> thanks Richard. all right take care this
1: is Twitter